So we're going to start talking today about the second half of the story of Shimshon. We saw the first uh, string of events which happened to Shimshon, which, in which he was acting as a tzaddik, coming to fight Hashem's walls, and he was successful miraculously. But now we come to the part of the story which details to us uh, Shimshon's downfall. He's a captive now. Yeah? Not yet, but he's going to talk about things he does wrong. So we're holding the beginning of Perak Tezayin, Pasukadov. And the Pasuk says, Vayelech Shimshon Azosa. Shimshon goes to Azor. Azor is one of the cities, the strongholds of the Pishtun. And why did she, what did Shimshon have in Azor? Why did he go there? So we're going to see that the reason he goes to Azor is really to, so to speak, taunt the Pishtun. Or to challenge him, to like he's sure he's not scared to venture into the, even their strongholds. So that's why he goes to us, like we're going to see. But when he's there, Now, this is the third time the concept of Isha Zayna has come up in the Nakh. We already had a Barakha Bazayna. We had it before and as well. And that is, what is it? Yiftach. And as always, there's the same Makhlaikas. The Targum always translates Zayna as Pundakisa, which means an innkeeper. And Zayna is Noshan Bazaynas, which means somebody used to provide food. Even though it's, it's, you could have found a, a less, let's say, uh, maybe a term which has a less negative connotation to it, but we saw that Hazal uh, didn't like the fact of a lady doing a job which would put her in contact with the public the whole time, and therefore was a play on the words of somebody who was a, fun, a fundakista, an innkeeper, but nevertheless she was given the derogatory title because that brought her into contact with all kinds of people the whole time, which wasn't a job putting a lady. That's what the Targum explains. And like we saw then, we'll see here also, as always, the Rishonim, the Radak, and others always explain it. Kipshotai. Nisha Zayna was a lady who was doing the wrong kind of thing. And now, what's the, how would you read the Pasuk in both contexts? So the first context was, Shimshon comes to Azza in order to taunt the Plishtim. In other words, he came to Azza specifically in order to show that he wasn't scared of them. And therefore, instead of trying to hide out in some place in order to find him, he goes to the local hotel, he goes to the local inn. And he makes it known that he's an Azza, which is in, a, it's in one more line. And it says, And he told the people of Azza, So he wasn't scared, he wasn't trying to hide his identity. On the contrary, the whole point of coming was to show the Pishtim, I'm not scared, so to speak, to venture into your cities. And you see, I came to Azza. If that's the case, so then, the way the Targum would learn it, that it means Shimshon came to her hotel, and he made known to the people that I'm here. Shimshon Shimshon's not scared of you. And uh, obviously the Plishtim didn't like Shimshon. He had done a tremendous amount of damage to the Plishtim. And therefore they're going to conspire to how to attack him. Obviously they're scared of him too. They've seen what he could do. And therefore they, on the one hand they want to attack him, but on the other hand they're scared. They're not going to just go up directly and confront him. So what's, what, what do they decide to do? They decide to make an ambush. So what happens is They camped out all the people of the, the news spread around the Azar, Shimshon's in Azar, and therefore all the people of Azar now get together in order to try and take down attack Shimshon. And instead of approaching him where he is, they decide they're going to ambush him outside the gates of the city. So they, in, in the whole night, night they're waiting in ambush, Bashar by the gates of the city. And they kept each other quiet. Now, so no one should be aware of the fact that there was all this uh, undercover activity going on. 
So he kept each other quiet to say, Ad We're going to wait until the morning, and then we're going to kill Now, why did they think that this was the way to capture Shimshon? In other words, if they had the, all the people of Azar working together, so nevertheless, they didn't feel that that would give them the ability to go to where Shimshon was and attack him. They rather felt that ambush him. Because they knew Shimshon was stronger than them. They had already seen. And therefore, in a one-to-one combat, so even one-to-hundred combat, or even one-to-thousand, like I said, Shimshon had shown he, wasn't, uh, he was stronger than they were. So they thought the only thing they could work was an element of surprise. And if they catch him by surprise, and he wants the time to fight back, so therefore they'll, they'll catch him by surprise by waiting for him at the gates of Aza. And the reason they waited until the following morning is because Shimshon knew that they knew that he was Nazi. Shimshon was the one to spread the, to spread the information. And therefore, they, Shimshon obviously was expecting him to do something. And uh, their planning was, if Shimshon was expecting us to do something, he's going to be waiting for us to attack him during the night. He's going to be waiting for us to come, and he'll be ready to attack us. Whereas if nothing happens the whole night, and then the next day he leaves the city, so, okay, he didn't, no one no one provoked him into a fast, so he's not going to think on his way out of the city that now is the time when all the people of Azza are going to attack him. And therefore they thought they would catch him by surprise when he was leaving Azza, rather than when he was in Azza, and he was obviously on his guard because he was expecting him to do something. That was the plan of the people of Azza. They still wanted revenge now? 100%. They never wanted revenge, and then this is what they, they planned to do their revenge. That's uh, how we explain the Psukim. That's how they explain the Psukim according to the Targum. According to the Rishayim, so then, and it seems to also go with the explanation of the Gemara, that the Gemara says about Shemeshan, the start of where he went wrong, of his mistake was here in Azza. In other words, the whole story happened before that with his first wife who was a Tishti, and everything that happened, that wasn't the Kilku. That was, like we saw, Kimei Hashem Yatsadavar. That was something which was uh, he was guided to do in Ruch HaKodesh as a way to, like we saw, take revenge on the Tishka. Whereas over here, according to the Mashmaz of the Gemara and the way the Rishonim explained, that Shimshon came to Azza to do an Averi, then that was the beginning of his downfall. That was the beginning of where he started to lose his level. And that's, then, according to the way the, the, the Rishonim read the Pasuk, that Shimshon came to Azza because of this issue Zayna, and he came to do an Averi. Came there for right. Her? So according to the Rishon, that was the first chapter, which is the Targum. Mm-hmm. The other Rishon, that came to that very that the Gemara says, Now, if that's the case, so the once again the Christian relative is there, and they're waiting for him until the morning. Uh, why would they wait until the morning? Exactly what the Gemara says, Basim Pinchas as well, uh, with the story of Pinchas and Zimri. They thought that he would be tired from doing a nice severe and therefore it'd be easier to overcome him rather than attacking during the night. Now what happens? Shimshon obviously is aware that the, 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 the people of Az know that he's there and are obviously going to plan something. So what happens is that Yishkav Shimshon Chatzia Shimshon sleeps only until the middle of the night, he doesn't sleep the whole night. And therefore by Yakum Bachatzia he gets up at midnight, which is before the time when the people of Az were expecting him. They thought he'd wait all the morning. And they were waiting for him for the morning. He gets up in the middle of the night. Now, there's, a, again, a d- difference of the opinion uh, between the Mephoshim and how to read this passage. The Dazat Mephoshim will say that even though Shimshon, according to Rishonim, came to us at the Donavera, the Mahasi never did. Because now that he knew that everybody was conspiring to trap him, 
So rather, he, so he just sleeps until the middle of the night. He gets up. You know, that wasn't the reason he came to Aza, but he gets up to leave the city before he gets so to death. So that was the intention. According to the intention was the Yavadah, but the Maisa... Right. But according to the... This is brought by the Chidah. That is that the intention was the Yavadah, but the Maisa... Uh, once he knew that uh, all the people of Aza were conspiring to do something to him, so he changed his plans and decides he's going to leave the city in the middle of the night. Obviously, it doesn't work with the first threat, because the first threat was he specifically came to fight with them. And therefore, he wasn't going to get scared that they were trying to conspire against him. The second threat was that he came to, like we saw, to do an avera, and then either, according to some of us, he, he didn't do the avera because now that he knew that he was going to be attacked, so he decided he's going to leave quickly, or according to the other part, he did do the avera. And if that's the case, we're going to see the difference it makes to the Hamishah, what happens next. Simshah gets up in the middle of the night. What happens? Like any city which was walled at the time, they used to bar the gates of the city at night so that people couldn't get in. So now, what the, what the priesthood had planned was that now in the middle of the night the gates are locked. In the morning when they open the gates, now Shemshan can get out and everyone's going to be waiting for him outside to ambush him. Shemshan gets up in the middle of the night, he sees the gates of the city are locked. So what does he do? So he grabs hold of the two gates and the Shemshan which means the two doorposts which are holding the gates which were obviously uh, heavy, either metal or stone, something to hold the gates of the city. And what happened is, the, the gates were bolted closed. There was like a crossbar holding the gates closed, which was obviously drilled or somehow cemented into the doorpost. He picks the whole thing up. The doors, the doorposts, and the brich, and the bar, which holds it all together, which is something tremendously heavy, the gates of the city. And he puts the whole thing on his shoulders. And he carries it all on top of a mountain next to Hebron. Now, if you see where Aziz is and where Hebron is, it's quite a distance. It's quite a distance. It wasn't just that he just broke the gates and walked out. He, he, to move the gates of Aziz the whole way to Hebron was a few hours' walk, carrying this incredibly heavy weight. And the question is, what was Shemshan trying to do? What was the point of this? So now we have to go back and see the continuation of the story based on all the different tracks we had of what he was trying to do. So the first, uh, the, the, the easiest one to explain is the, the second Mahalak and the we spoke of before. And that is, even though Shimshan originally came to Dunavera, but now that he saw that the people of Azza wanted to attack him, he changed his track. And therefore, instead of Dunavera, he decides he's going to leave in the middle of the night, and he gets up, and has, has to go out of the city. The doors are bolted. So therefore, he had the tremendous strength Hashem gave him, and therefore, he, instead rather than just breaking the doors, which wouldn't show strength so much, he could break the door. It showed that it was a much greater demonstration of his strength was the fact that he could pick the doors up and carry them a few miles away before he put them down wherever next to Chavon. Okay, so that, that would make sense. According to the first threat, according to the first threat, that Shimshon came to confront him. <coughs> so that's the case, why did he get up in the middle of the night? Why did he run away from them? On the contrary, he wanted to show that he wasn't scared of them. He wanted to confront them. So what is the point of what he's doing? So... The answer was that more than Shimshon wanted to kill the people of Azza, he wanted to scare them. That was more the, uh, that, that was more, would achieve more would want them to be scared of him as opposed to actually going to punish them. And therefore, when, had they come to attack him, obviously he would, have, he would have fought back. But when he saw that the people were too scared to attack him, and therefore they thought, let's have a, go to plan B, we're going to ambush him. What, what ne- they would never have imagined is that you would get out in the middle of the night. The doors were bolted. 
doors of the city were closed. But then they were staying awake, weren't they? They were on the outside. They were all waiting outside the doors, and when they opened the gates in the morning, the Jewish could come out, they would catch him on the outside. Are they not hearing the noise of him uprooting the gates? No, well, they're probably terrified by that. But uh, if you see someone picking up a gate and walking in, what they're going to do. So therefore, Shem Shun Chat, they're really too scared to fight me. So I'm going to achieve more by showing some other demonstration of strength than just by killing a lot more of them. And therefore, being as he knew, everyone was waiting for him, then to show that he could pick up the gates of the city and walk away with them was a much greater demonstration of how strong he was more than had he just gone to attack them. Uh, just, just in terms of strength, the, to, to kill one or ten or a hundred people needs much less uh, power or physical ability than to pick up the gate of a city. I mean, I don't know how big the gates of Azor were, but if you just give an example of going to the old city of Shalayim and you see the huge monolith on top of Shariyaf, imagine picking the whole thing up and walking away with it. It's not something a human being can do. So that was a demonstration of Shemshin's strength, which definitely was much more impressive than than the the fact that uh, he would have killed a few more bishop. Now, the other point here is, and that is the distance he carried it. And uh, Chazal already said this. When the talk came to the Kohanim, they could carry carbonus. Uh, you know, sometimes the carbon was a fully fattened ox. That's pretty heavy. And they used to cut it into pieces. And uh, the reason why they cut the car into 24 pieces was because it was too heavy to carry. And the Gemara in Yemen tells the Shavach of one of the Kohanim, that he was able to carry the two, the two hindquarters of the shar, a bat, walking slowly. And Rashi explains, because normally if a person is carrying a weight which is hard for them, they, they run. Because it's heavy and I can't take the weight, so I run as fast as I can so I can get it down. A person who can walk slowly, calmly, carrying a weight, shows that he's able to hold it. And therefore the Shavach of this Kohan, that he was so strong, that he was able to carry the two, so to speak, the two legs of the shar agadol, but uh, without running. He was able to take the weight of that running. Now the same thing. If Shimshin would have felt that this was heavy, he would have been quick to put it down. Mm-hmm. So you pick up the guys, just put them down and, and up on the next nearest place and then leave. The fact that Shimshin was willing to walk miles with the guys, so he didn't have, didn't have a problem with it. Uh, that's the whole way to heaven is the distance. I mean, you can imagine the people of Azad like chasing to see where he can take the gates to. They're going for kilometers. It just keeps going until he decides to put them down. So it just showed it wasn't something like a feat of strength which he had to exert himself to do and then put it down as quickly as possible. He was willing to walk. He was fine with it. He could go the distance with it as well. Now, that's the second matter. The third matter we spoke about is that Shimshin actually did do an Avera. And if that's the case, and this is an interesting matter, the Mephoshim say that, 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 that the reason why he picked up the gates and didn't attack the Pishtim was for a different reason. And that is, he wasn't sure he was going to be successful in war. He just done something wrong. Mm-hmm. And therefore, and this is an interesting point, it needs less Yatid Dishmaya to do something like picking up the gates of a city than to be protected from a Shaisakon. And if he's going to be fighting Pishim, and they're going to be throwing spears and arrows and needles at him, so to be protected from being harmed needs more of a Yatid Dishmaya than the fact that Hashem will give him strength to do something uh, superhuman. And therefore, since he was scared that maybe I'm not going to deserve this Yatid Dishmaya now, so therefore he rather got up early and escaped by picking up the gates and running away with them, then waiting the next morning confronting the Christian because he wasn't convinced he was going to have the Seattle Dishmaya not to be affected by it. Okay, these are the three different Mahatma Mirishanim used to explain this part, this part of the question. Question. Yeah. Which was, like we said, already a mistake. Whereas the first time when he got married to the Christian lady, we saw it was RP, what Hashem wanted him to do. And besides that, we see that that's why. He first got engaged to her, 
and he was Megayim her, and then he married her, and then Shiva Brachas, everything was done in the way it's meant to be done. Whereas opposed to here, it seems like none of that happened. This was a Maisever, which was, a, that's why the Gemara says this was the start of where Shemishin went wrong. According to the, according to the Pshatim that, it, that was the first thing. Is there any reason why? That Shemishin was the mistake was he was tempted by what he saw, and it was eventually, even though originally it was used as Shem Shemayim, but it became a source of the Mekshot thing. Now, we have a principle. We have a principle, we see it many times playing out in the Nech, but it's a principle which Chazal Teres as well. And that is, sometimes, in the Hashem, sometimes when a person does something wrong, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends him punishment, there's then Hashem in the world, and people do things wrong, Hashem punishes. Sometimes, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends a warning. Hashem is a warning, and the warning is, be careful, you're doing something wrong. And therefore, do tshuva, or stop what you're doing. And the difference is Ramchal there Hashem, between when something's coming as a punishment, when something comes as a warning, is the severity. It has a warning, it shocks the person, it wakes them up, it scares them. Be careful. It's, but it's not coming to punish. And therefore, it's not coming to harm a person, it's coming to, to like shake him, to wake him up. And therefore, Hashem sends something as a warning. If a person learns from the warning, wonderful, that's actually, that is the warning was sent for. If a person doesn't learn from the warning, so they don't get punished. Then Hashem tries. Hashem first warns him, and if the warning doesn't work, then punishment comes. But the scary thing is, and we'll see examples in that also, and that is, when Hashem sends the punishment, whatever the warning was comes back again as a punishment. It was like Yishan. This was the warning, that if you weren't careful, this was going to happen. And if you're not careful, and you don't learn the lesson, so then that exact same thing will come back as a punishment. And just this way, it won't be a warning. This one, the person was like a sucker from. And I had a story of someone I knew, a possible person, years and years ago, that he was once uh, driving a car in the interstate, and he was in a terrible car accident. And as a nice, the car was completely totaled, it was head on collision on another step. He had a few scra- uh, like stitches, but he survived. Everyone in the car with him, everyone survived. Miraculously, it was, uh, the police like, saw the car, they thought everyone would die. Amazing. About 10 years later, same person was in an accident in the same interstate, and everyone in the car was killed. And sometimes you wake up and think, maybe the first time was the warning. And uh, well, I, I, I'm not playing Hashem to know what the warning was for. But if sometimes Hashem sends something as a warning, but and the same thing happens again a number of years later, but just, uh, this time it's tragic. So then it comes a punishment. Now I'm just going to add as a marshal. Because we've seen these things in the Nach also, a number of times. There's the first incident, uh, something happens, but nothing, nothing goes wrong. And then the second time, the same thing happens again. And this time it comes as a punishment. And we understand the first time was the warning. And Hashem sends a warning, be careful. And you see, if a person is, uh, narrowly avoids a, a tragedy, so he's meant to think this is a warning. And I'll show this to you, it's an amazing thing. When we say the bracha, of a person who was in a dangerous situation was saved. So the bracha is Hagoimel Lachayovim Toivas. Hashem does Toivas for people who hide. Why are we busy indicting ourselves? Why are we saying we hide? Why don't we just say Hagoimel Toivas? Hashem does Toivas to people. Hagoimel Lachayovim Toivas. Why do we have to make ourselves sound like Hayovim? Or we did something wrong? But the answer is that it's true we were saved. But at the same time, at the same time, we were in Sakana. And if that's the case, you have to think about it. Maybe this was a warning. 
that Hashem saved us. He didn't punish us. But maybe this was the warning. And if that's the case, maybe we chayyavim. If, if Hashem didn't just put us into this makom sakana to take us out for nothing. So Hashem took us out. We're grateful for that. But why were we there in the first place? Maybe we chayyavim. And this is an important thing to think about because how do you want Hashem to give us a message? We don't want the first time around to be the punishment. We want to, we want to get a warning at least once. And if that's the case, how is Hashem going to warn us? The answer is, He's going to show you, look, you're in the sakana. It will be very close to something going wrong. Uh, Hashem will save you. But ha, there was a sakana here. It wasn't for nothing you were in the sakana. And if that's the case, the person is meant to wake up. Maybe I'm meant to be learning from this. Maybe I'm a chai. I thank Hashem for saving me. He just he didn't punish. He just warned. But I'm meant to take out from that. It's a lesson. It's something I have to learn from. And that's the Yisrael always. And that is that Hashem is, uh, like this is what Gemara says, that the warning comes before the Einish. Hashem works the world like that also. And very often, He sends the warning before the Einish. But the Chiddush is, the warning and the Einish is in the same thing. Because if that's why Hashem is warning a person, this is where you're doing something wrong, but that's why Hashem is going to show the person, look, you're being warned, be careful. That's the story of the Ramchal, that in the same thing. The Ramchal says it in the Derech Hashem. He says that the, f- the first time is a warning, and therefore it doesn't come with Lainish. It's not coming to punish, it's coming to warn. And if it's only if a person doesn't learn from the lesson, doesn't take the warning, then it comes back again. This time it comes to Lainish. Because it means it cannot get in the punishment. Now the Ramchal goes on to say, well, a person sees a warning, how does he to know what he's being warned for? It's not coming with the text coming, this is what it came for. How are you meant to know? And so then you have the Yisrael Mirakinagin Mirakinagin the warning is because this is a miracle negative of what you did. And now learn from that. Because otherwise the punishment is also going to be miracle negative and it's going to be in the same thing again. It's an important principle. Now, it doesn't mean that every time Hashem is nice to somebody, we shouldn't be happy. Yes, we should. Hashem saved us. But then it's, it's like it says, I live a quote for There's also the element, but I wasn't Sakana. I wasn't Sakana. It's a, 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 there's a certain prick to it as well. I was put in Sakana for a reason. The Gemara says, the Gemara says that uh, one of them arrived in one condition, he was climbing a ladder. And once he climbed the ladder, one of the rungs broke, and he nearly fell. He managed to grab one and hold himself. But, he thought, but then he thought to himself, not, wow, that was close, Baruch Hashem, I didn't So one second, I was nearly high of skiller. Had I fallen, or like from a height, I would have died. That's, that's skiller. Why, why, was, why is Hashem showing me I'm high of skiller? Which means the inference he took from it not, is that even though the Maisa he managed to catch himself, he managed to stop himself falling, but Hashem was showing me I'm meant to fall. That was a way on. That's the lesson. And I stopped to think, what did I do wrong? Why is Hashem showing me I'm high to fall? And that's an important stage when even when a person sees a nest, they're saved from something. Okay, but think, but there was a Sakana. What is Hashem trying to show you with that? And that's the Yisrael we see a lot of times, and that's something we're going to see here in the next in the continuation of the story of Shem Shemosa. Which was, what we said, Shinshin went made a mistake. He was already given a warning for what happens. And the second, this the first time was the warning, you have to see. The second time, it's it's like eerily reminiscent of what happened the first time around. Very similar to the story. This time it comes to the punishment. And that's like Thomas, we're going to see the story of, um, of the leader. Do you so, want to record? Yes. The story of the leader. So the process is the process. That is, Vayi Acharikei, Vayi Avisha B'Nachal Tzarek, B'Nachal Tzarek, Kushmad Lira. Now, this was his second mistake. And once again, we don't find he went to the Megayah, we don't find he married healthy Kedas Halacha. 
son. He, he, the process he left, uh, which was set up for another. And uh, this is going to be his undoing. And remember, this is the second time around. The first time was Nazar, this is the second mistake. Now, here, as opposed to Shimshon's first two wives, we're not told their names. Here, the Apostle tells us her name. Why does tell us her name? So, this Chazal Darish. Dlila, because of the three things she did to him. Dildala is Kaychai, Dildala is Sarah, Dildala is Maisel. Which means, the, the word Ledaldal in Hebrew, which is a charge of the name, is to lessen, is to thin, is to weaken something. Dildalit. So, yeah. So, in that case, it was uh, three things that she did, and we have to see where all three were. She took away his strength, she took away his maisim, and she took away his, eventually his eyesight, like we're going to see. But this came as the only for what we happened before, and therefore we're going to see a very similar setup with the story, which we'll see next time, of Lila, to the story we see of Shemshah's first wife. That was, this is the, came as the second time, with this, the same mistake, it came as the Einish. And we're going to see how Mirika Nagimida, every point of the story was.